0: I, too, want to welcome everybody this morning, and uh, we greet all of you in the precious name of Christ. Uh, thank you for the those that are watching online and you over in the venue, and uh, just uh, may we have a great day in Him. What we plan on doing this morning is we're going to uh, finish the Beatitudes. Pastor Rick has been going through the Beatitudes, so if you have a Bible, uh, we can open it to um Matthew chapter 5, where you could be looking at some of the verses later on the screen. But we have heard it said that if you take all of uh, the Bible, and you would sum up all the Bible, you could sum it up in the Gospels. And if you take all the Gospels, you could sum it up in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you take all the Sermon on the Mount, you could sum it up in the Beatitudes. And if you take all the Beatitudes, you could sum it up in the first one. And that's where it starts. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And as we walk through them, I'd like to spend the first uh, probably five or ten minutes uh, recapping some of the things that Rick mentioned on each of the Beatitudes. And then we'll get to the one that we're going to look at uh, this morning, and that is blessed are the pure in heart. But first of all, I want you this morning, I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine that all the lights go out, And it's pitch black in here. It's as black as at the bottom of Moaning Cave. You can't even see anything. But all of a sudden, your heart, your beating heart, your one-pound organ is illuminated. And you look down and you see your heart. And I see mine. And not only can you see your heart, but you look around and you see everybody else's heart. And then all of a sudden a sign is illuminated on your heart to say what position and what that heart is beating and what it is really a picture of. And what would you see? There your heart, it's illuminated and it's beating. Would it cross your heart? Would it say a heart beating with sadness? A heart beating with gladness, a heart beating with joy, a heart beating with loneliness, a heart beating with sin, a heart beating with bitterness. Because all of our hearts are beating and God knows exactly what that sign is. Because our Father in heaven, our eternal parent, he has a heart too. In fact, the Bible says that in Acts 16, 33, that David was a man after God's own heart. And I am very confident this morning, as you look into the Word of God, and as Pastor Rick has been going through the Beatitudes, that every believer can have a joyful heart. And we have seen that Beatitude after Beatitude, happy is, happy is. And I think it's the same way as we're going to look at pure in a heart a little bit later. But what is a pure heart? And a simple way of breaking that down, a pure heart is a heart that is free of guilt and has an uncompromising desire to please the Father in all things. Rick has been going through his Beatitudes and and some incredible messages And one thing he made very clear, those of you that have heard the messages, very clear that biblical definition of happiness is opposite of what our culture or society would call it. In fact, I had to think about that. When he made the statement that our culture and our society would say happiness looks different than what the Beatitudes say. And I jotted down in my Bible... These words, maybe in the 21st century, beatitudes would sound like this: "Blessed are the beautiful, for they shall be greatly admired. Blessed are the rich, for surely they have it all. Blessed are the popular, for they alone are well-loved. Blessed are the famous. For they shall always be followed. Blessed are the intelligent. For they shall be sought after. Blessed are the strong. For they shall be envied by all. But here's the news flash. One hundred percent of every one of those I just mentioned. One hundred percent. None of them bring happiness. None. None. And 2,000 years ago, our Savior sits down on the side of a mountain and he opens up as he begins to speak there with a bombshell and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's kind of like our Savior was handed eight boxes. And on every box it says, happiness is. And as Pastor Rick has been opening each one of these boxes and we have looked inside and we have seen what brings true joy to the heart, what brings happiness to our heart. And we look inside those boxes and I'd like to recap some of the things he mentioned. If you have your Bible open, it says in verse three here, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is where we begin our life with Him. That is where we acknowledge our spiritual bankruptcy. That is where we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are in complete poverty before Him. You don't start at the end of the Beatitudes. You start with this one. This is in sequential order. This is where we begin. This one is where we run to the foot of Christ, the Calvary. And then in verse four, it says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. When we realize we were a sinner and we mourned over our sin and he forgave us of our sin, we enter into a time of of a real comforting of the soul, We've been broken before him. He has given us a new life. Then we come to box number three, verse five, blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. And I love the way the pastor uh, provided clarity to this. How many times we've thought that meekness is weakness. No, meekness here is strength under control. And the strength that he now gives us as we've mourned over our sin, as we have come to him, we have now harnessed a strength that we can be a worker in the kingdom for his glory. Then he comes to verse number six Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. And the promise is, For they shall be what? They shall be filled. And I am personally convicted this morning that. The reason that most people are not filled today is because they've never been emptied. You know, if you're full of yourself, there's not a lot of room for God and others. And here he says, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after who? After him, after righteousness, after the word of God. And if I'm seeking more of him, then it's less of me. And that's what he's saying here. Are you hungry this morning? My wife is a excellent cook. And I've been sucking it in and I'm going to let it go now. (laughs) But she's an excellent cook. But what if I would leave work here every day around five o'clock and I would stop down at my favorite watering hole called Mr. T's And I would go in there, and I would get six maple bars. Then I'd run across the street to um, to uh, Jack in the Box, and I'd get six burritos. And I would wolf those things down on the way home as fast as I could. I walk into the door, I make sure my mouth is clean, everything's brushed off my shirt, and she has supper waiting. I'm not hungry. I probably won't eat much. Why? because I filled myself with junk food. And I think it's the same way. Sometimes people that have lost their hunger for the word, lost their desire to worship, lost their desire to be with the body of Christ is because we have filled ourselves with the wrong thing. Then it comes to Beatitude, verse seven, he says, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. You know, once we start getting the right food, Bible's very clear about that in Ephesians. When we begin to feed the inner man day by day, the Bible calls it renewing day by day. Once I am taking the word of God and putting it into my heart day by day, once I got the right attitude and uh, appetite downright, then I'm gonna be merciful to others. But when I'm full of myself, I don't think about you. I don't have time for the Lord. You wanna be happy today? Do something for someone else. You wanna be joyful today? Quit thinking about yourself and do something for others. And he says, blessed are the merciful. When I begin to put the needs of others in front of my desires, I'm a happy camper. The Holy Spirit is so good at this. He knows. And then uh, we get to uh, box number six. Um, Rick jumped over this one. And I asked him why. He said, well, I, I, and he was sick. He, he couldn't do, blessed are the pure in heart. He was sick that week. <clears throat> but then I said, well, why don't you give me one of the others? No, you need to, you need to have this one. Why do I need this one? He said, Well, you figure it out. (laughs) And I began to slowly figure it out. Blessed are the pure in heart. This one has a propensity to really convict a person of sin. And I think the wisdom of our pastor, he knew I'm an older man, getting older day by day. And, uh, Sometimes when we get older day by day, we begin to stray, and so he gave me this one. And I begin to look at myself. I'm not that old, but I'm getting older. And I thought, well, I'll just, there's a poem I remember. It goes something like this. My bifocals, they're adequate. My dentures, they're fine. My facelift is holding, but I sure miss my mind. (laughs) Yes, I do. <laughs> but before we get to heart purity, let's look at box number seven, verse nine, when Rick read there, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We learn what a peacemaker is not. It is not somebody that goes down McHenry holding a nuke sign or save the spotted owl or the spotted whale or whatever they are. That's not being a peacemaker. Being a true peacemaker and having peace in the heart is when you share with others the Prince of Peace. And that brings great joy to the heart. Nothing like introducing someone to the Prince of Peace. I just heard Joe Bloom say amen. And I'm gonna tell you why he just said it. Because an hour and a half ago, he just led a lady to Christ right here in the front row. He came out of the altar, and he was so excited, and he said, Pastor Gordon, and he shared with me, and I went over and shook her hand, but there's nothing that brings greater joy than sharing somebody Christ. Then in verses 10 and 11, it was, blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> now, maybe some of you are thinking right now, now, wait a minute. A pastor, I've lived about all of these Um and I think I do them about all pretty good, so I probably should be well-liked, well-loved, and well thought of, and well-blessed. No, no. (laughs) You may be doing everything right for Christ. You may be doing everything right with the position of your heart. You may be doing everything to please him, but that doesn't please Satan and we're still living in a broken world, so the Bible says in this beatitude, when you are persecuted, because you will be if you stand up for him. Bible makes that very clear in 2 Timothy. All those that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We're gonna go through days in our lives where It just seems like everywhere we go we're tripped up and people say bad things about us. Keep your heart for him. He will still bring the joy. And I think the old devil is ratcheting it up a lot tighter as time goes on. We're gonna be a persecuted body, maybe even this great United States of America. And so now we come to box number six. Verse eight, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And as I began to open this box and unpack it, one of the first things I noticed inside this box scared me to death. (laughs) It's a mirror. Because when you begin to look at this beatitude and it says blessed are the pure in heart, you're looking at your own heart. The Bible says in Corinthians, let a man so examine himself. I'm not thinking about you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? The promise is they shall see God. Listen to the words of James chapter one, verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone looking into a mirror and they go away and forget what he sees. But whoever looks into the Word or into the mirror and lives it, they will be blessed and happy in what they do. And for the last 2,000 years, people have taken the Beatitudes, and there's nothing wrong with that if you want to look at it like that. And they have thought, well, if I'm going to really be happy, i got to get on this godly ladder to go up to a godly heaven just so I can see a godly Father, and rung by rung, They start to climb, and they get up to this one, and the ladder goes down. Why? Because we know our hearts. And it's not because we don't understand the words here in the Beatitudes, but it's because Jesus has made it very clear. Any effort on our part, by way of facade or anything, any effort to climb up to get approval or his get into his presence will fail without a pure heart. So that brings us to what does this imply? Purity of heart implies singleness of heart. We are talking about, when you look at a heart that is pure, you're talking about a heart that is single, sincere, not a divided heart and this one pound organ that is beating in our bodies, we're not talking about romantic philosophical ideas, we're talking about where the seat of our true emotions and desires dwell. And I wanna make something very, very clear right now. There is a difference between a clean heart and a pure heart. This dear sister in Christ now, that just got born again, she's got a clean heart. If you've been born again, you have a clean heart. But just because you have a clean heart doesn't mean you have a pure heart. You see the difference is when you come to the foot of Calvary, blessed are the poor in spirit, and by faith you are saved. The gavel comes down, that is called justification. You are saved. Eternity is settled in your heart. You're his child forever. That's a clean heart. But a pure heart is your daily walk in him. Now we got another problem. First problem has been settled. You've been born again. You're adopted in the family of God. If you're saved today, be thankful. You have a clean heart. But it might not be pure because now we're talking about a sanctified daily walk of heart purity. That is why so many people today that are saved and yet they're not happy, they can't figure it out. They got a clean heart, but they don't have a pure one. Why don't they have a pure one? Because daily there is a filth of sin that they're allowing to come in and there's no, no confession of it. Bible says in Proverbs 4 and 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Why is it hard for me to see my savior from time to time? Because my heart gets fogged over with pollutants. That is why I remember Billy Graham years ago, you be quick every day in your confessions. When we're not confessing the wrongdoing that we've allowed to come into our hearts, there's like a film that just gets dirty and goes over our windshields of our heart and we don't see God like we should. It doesn't mean you're lost, It just means you've allowed the additives of this world to cover your heart and everything that's dirty, we don't see him. That's not singleness of heart. And before you know it, when there's more and more gunk on the heart, all of a sudden then we become a divided heart. Bible says in James 1 and 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. What's your heart look like today? Apostle Paul said in Philippians, this one thing I do, not 30, one, I press towards the mark, and that is following Christ, and for the prize of the high calling. If you have a divided heart today, you're full of hypocrisy. That's putting it pretty blunt. Rick said that a hypocrisy is a pig in a tuxedo. <laughs> Yes, it is. I would also add to that that hypocrisy is when I tell my children and grandchildren, you need to be reading your Bibles every day, and then I never do. Hypocrisy is when I open the door for my wife in the car only when you're looking. (laughs) Hypocrisy is when I put 30 Bibles throughout my house. When you come over to visit, and I hide the girly magazines under the couch. Now that isn't true, but (laughs) what I'm saying is, it'd be hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when the collection plate goes by and and you knew you should have put more in. Hypocrisy is when you watch a R-rated and God forbid an X-rated movie, and you have no shame and it doesn't turn your stomach That's a divided heart. Bible says in Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and who can understand it? That brings us to number two. Purity of heart implies a need for cleansing. Proverbs 20, 10 says, who can say, I have kept my heart pure without sin. There is no one here that could raise their hand today and say, I have a pure heart, I have never sinned. I trust that most could say, I have a clean heart and I've been saved. But how many of us, how long during the day could we raise our hands and say, I have a pure heart? It is in direct proportion of how much you turn to him. We need a daily cleansing. Heart purity has always been a part of the Bible. If you go back to the Old Testament, when Moses came down from Sinai, it was all about cleansing. The Levitical laws, everything seems like they're talking about the the clean and the unclean food, the clean and the unclean animals, the clean and the unclean sacrifices, the clean and unclean things that the priest had to go through. We need cleansing too. And heart purity implies that. Everybody needs cleansing every day. And when they were up in the upper room and Peter was standing there and said, I don't need my feet washed. Jesus said, Peter, you, you may be clean, and not everybody here is clean, talking about Judas, but you need me to cleanse you or you're not gonna have any part with me. And folks, we're not going to enjoy our life with Him if we don't have constant cleansing. Look at it this way. All soap is clean, but only one soap is pure. Now, I don't want to make any Avon people or, or whoever mad, but when you look at the original soaps, there's only one soap that's pure. All are clean, one is pure, and that's ivory. 99.89%. And you know what's weird about this? All the other soaps, they have colors and additives and perfumes, and and I like them. I like Dove, but anyway, (laughs) but there's only one that's pure it's ivory, and it's the only one that floats. Sin sin brings us down. And I had to think, you know, everybody, all of us need cleansing. And we'll never do it without a substitute. When we came to him in the sequential order of the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now he's telling us in Hebrews 9, 13, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our hearts and our consciences that we may serve a living God. Now, why is that so important? Because it brings the promise to us. If I have a pure heart that is daily being cleansed, then I get to have the promise. And the promise is I get to see God. There's a lot of you seated here today that, You don't have a good vision of him. I'm gonna tell you why you've got a dirty heart. There's some here today that you don't even like God's creation. You're so wrapped up in your own misery, you don't even enjoy creation anymore. You don't enjoy the word. You don't enjoy your prayer life. You don't enjoy others. You don't enjoy coming to the church. Look at your heart. And he will take that heart and he'll make it single again, and he can cleanse it when you confess, and you can enjoy creation. You can enjoy the lives of others. You can love coming to the Bible and reading it, and that's what enables us to do it. And that brings us to number three. Purity of heart implies a need for transformation. I was thinking about that the other day when I was looking at this verse. You know, purity is way beyond my reach. Every bit, it doesn't matter if I'm talking about my words, my emotions, my actions, my dreams, my desires. It don't take long that I'm all mixed up. And the promise that he gives here that James 4 and 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Wow, that gives me the confidence that I can wake up every day. And as I draw near to God, he draws near to me. Anything that I wanna pour out, I can just do it. I don't have to wear a mask anymore. I draw near to him. I pour out my sins, he washes them away. I offer him my hands, he makes them clean. I give him my divided heart, he makes it single. Transformation. And I think one of the primary goals of Christ as he works in our lives is that we might be conformed or conforming us to the image of his dear son. Bible says that in Romans 8, 29. It's not making sure that you understand everything in the word. It's not saying that you've got to try to show everybody that you've got a great life. It's just the reclamation of your human heart. He wants it, and he wants all of it, and he wants to keep it clean. There is nothing that excites our Father in heaven more than when he sees his children walking in faith with a pure heart. I'm going I'm to make that a little closer home. I am a father and I am a grandfather. There is nothing that gives greater joy to my life and my heart than when I see my children and my grandchildren walking in truth. Some of them are very good at sports. Some of them are very good at quoting scripture. Some of them are very good and talented at different things. But nothing excites me more than how I see them walking in truth. <clears throat> so I have a question. Why are there so many Christians walking around today without much of a heart change? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's me. Why is it That we look at people's lives and their believers and we don't notice any change. I'm going to tell you why. It's because they've been willing to settle for second best. And I'm going to tell you what second best is. Second best is any time that I start through the energy of my flesh, try to show you on the outward how much of a great Christian I am. That is second best. Listen to the words of Christ as he spoke to the Pharisees. Woe unto you, whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside, but at the inside you're full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. Woe unto you, hypocrites. You that teach the law, you clean the outside, But on the inside, you're full of greed and self-indulgences. And we can do the same thing. We can do things that are quantifiable or things on the surface or things that's easy for everybody to see, but that's settling for second best. And that's hypocrisy. God wants us to be open. He wants us to have a heart that is clean and pure, and that happens when we only follow him. I want you to write this verse down. It's not in the notes, but it'd be a good one to memorize. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit so how are you doing with that one I don't know how many times I woke up in the morning and as I pray I thought Lord if I could just I want to serve you faithfully today I want to honor you in everything I do and I don't even make it out the door before an uninvited guest called sin enters my mind and the party's over have you ever been there? Or things are going pretty good during the day and somebody says something to you and all of a sudden you react in a really bad way and the party's over. There's no joy. Or maybe you say something to someone else and it could be in so many areas. And that's why he gives us this beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart. <clears throat> he wants me and he wants you to have daily introspection to make sure the windshield is clean. So that brings us to putting this beatitude into play. Number one, don't place yourself in the way of unnecessary temptations. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter two, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, faith, Love and peace. What was pornography 40 years ago is now legitimate advertisements every day that we see. That's a shame. And I thought about this unnecessary temptations. And the reason I put that unnecessary, we have a choice. You have a choice. You have a choice for your wife to put her in a position that is unnecessary to be a godly mother. As a wife, you have a choice to put your husband in an unnecessary position. As a father and mother, why would you ever take your innocent children to watch an R-rated flick? Innocence? Purity, filth, and you know what your heart's like. You know what your temptations are. Why would I stop, and I hope the owner's not here, but why would I stop every day or three times a day at Mr. T's and load myself up with junk food? Donuts are good, one. But before you know it, the temple of the, our body is all messed up because of an unnecessary choice. And I know that just sounds like a simple one, but you know where you're, where you're at with this. It may mean that you have to set your iPad and your computer aside for a while. Don't go there. Number two, guard closely the contents of your thoughts. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you a very simple question. What do you think about <clears throat> when you put your mind in neutral? What do you think about when you put your mind in neutral? The body says, the Bible says we're a trichotomy. We have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. You have a control tower and it's called your will, and you make the choices of what you think about. Don't blame somebody else. The Bible says do everything you can to guard the contents of your thoughts. Bible says that in Philippians 4 and 8. Whatever you're thinking about, think on these things. Whatsoever things you're pure, honest, just, good, good report, think on these things. The Bible says in Romans 12 and 1 that we are transformed, wow, by the renewing of your mind. And the reason we get in trouble so often is because we allow things to come into our thought life. And before you know it, our heart's all dirty again. Number three, keep a healthy, eternal perspective. I love Titus 2 looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us and purify all from all iniquity and purify in himself a people zealous of good works. <clears throat> How often during the day do you think about heaven? Bible says if you're a believer that this world's not your home. And we get so entrenched with this life that sometimes we never think about our eternal home. And it dirties our life. And I would encourage as much as you can as you stay in the Word that you think about your home. Why don't you have a tug? Or is there even a tug at all for heaven? There's not gonna be much of one If I walk around with a dirty heart, because I'm dragged down, I'm drugged, but as clean and pure, I'm thinking about Him and my home. Bible says in Psalm 51 and 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. There's a true story of a couple in Bakersfield that that this really did happen. In Bakersfield, California, there was a couple that brought, bought a brand new 22-foot boat. <clears throat> and it was at, advertised that this boat would uh, go 60 to 70 miles an hour. A sleek boat, a lot of horsepower, pull probably 15 skiers, I don't know. I don't know that much about horsepower and boats. But they bought this neat boat, and they took it to, I think it was Isabella, a lake near Bakersfield. And boy, they were so excited. They got their boat in the water, and and they had the thing in neutral, and he revved it up. And and there's a lot of people around watching, and he thought, man, this lake is like glass. I'm going to rev this baby up, and I'm going to go shooting across the lake, and I think I'm going to get 80 miles an hour out of it. And he revved it up. And that thing uh, roared to life and he started going in that boat and the speedometer never went past 15 miles an hour. He was ticked. And he thought, what's going on? And so he checked the instruments. He checks the, the gasoline, everything and, and he had put it back in neutral and rev it up and then uh, try it again and never got much more than 15 miles an hour. A sluggish, You're not going to pull anybody at 10 or 15 miles an hour. So he goes back to one of the marinas there at Isabella and he pulls up to the dock and he gets up there and gets a guy to come out. He said, man, I bought this boat and it's supposed to be pretty fast. And the guy said, well, yeah, that's kind of the top of the line you got here. He jumps down in the boat. They take the cowling. They look at the engine, revs it up. Everything looks good. Instruments look good. And he said, I got my bathing suit on. Let me check underneath with a prop. And he goes underneath. And the guy wasn't even down there 10 seconds. And he comes up sputtering, choking, and laughing. And the owner of the boat says, Hey, dude, what's up? And he says, Sir, the trailer is still strapped to the bottom of your boat. Wah. Now that's pretty dumb. But I want to tell you what's really serious. There may be some hearts here today that you've got a lot of stuff strapped on your heart. There's a verse for you this morning. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Lay aside your Every sin and the sin that is besetting to you and your heart. If you've got a sin that's weighing you down, you may think it's private. It's a hidden one. No one knows about it. God knows. And it's no different than that man and Isabella with a speedboat. You're not going to go anywhere. The Bible says, John 10 and 10, I came that you might have life. And you've got the clean heart. But it came that you might have it more abundantly. That's a heart that is pure with happiness. If you got sin strapped on today, remove it. And you watch the joy factor of your life change. Let's pray. Father, we, we confess that there's just a lot of things that slam into us. A lot of sin that ambushes us. But Father, we do confess that we make the choice. We allow it to come in. We allow it to get strapped on. We allow it to bog us down. And thank you, Father, for the promises of your word that when we confess, we're forgiven and we're released again. We pray for every heart here today that, Father, not only that they can be thankful for their clean hearts, but they can be thankful that there's provision for a heart of purity. Daily cleansing by the washing of your word and through prayer. Thank you, Father, for being a heavenly Father that loves us so much. And a thousand, thousand thanks for the gift of the Holy Spirit that works on us every day. Encourage us in you that we might have pure hearts that will bring pure actions that will give us great joy in our day. In Christ's name, amen. amen. The Lord bless you, folks.